This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you want the best coverage from the farm system to the front office, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Rangers Today Baseball Podcast, now on the Dub Network. Here are your hosts, Jeff and John. Hey everybody and welcome to the Rangers Today Baseball Podcast. This is episode number 98 and today Mike Bassick, you know him from the pre and post game show on Valley Sports. He's also from 105.3 The Fan. He's going to join us in a little bit, but first Jeff, you and I have got to get, hey. We also, t- we also know Mike Bassick as a former Major League pitcher and former Ranger. Absolutely, pitcher. former yeah. Ranger, great. Him and his dad. Him but, and his dad yeah. and, and uh you know, uh, they also give away baseball gloves. I'll talk about that later, but we're going to talk about that with Mike, but. Anyway, right now let's get into uh, the big league team, which this is going to be – this is amazing. This is fun. It is. You know, we Playoff went through that stretch. Fun. I went – I said, things are bad. Next week we – because we do this every week, guys. Hey, five ninety nine a month, Rangers today, 30 to $5 for six months, $60 for a year. Yes. Hit that download down there. Hit the thumbs up. Tell it to your friends. Tell them to subscribe. It's free to subscribe to this YouTube channel. We've got a lot of good followers on that. But I'm telling you right now – few weeks ago we do it every week we do a show i said it's bad then we said it was worse then we said it's good again yeah and now it's fun yeah i mean i you know i don't know how much fun uh they're having that in the moment they're going to realize that um that it was a good time you know it, what, no matter which way it goes they're gonna they're gonna decompress after the season and be like man that was that was the best time i've ever had you know the, yes. these games are these games are important. Some of them, you know, like Corey Seager's had a lot of fun. He's won a World Series. But yes, um, some of these guys who are going through it for the first time, it's going to make them hungrier. Whether they make the playoffs or whether they get eliminated in the first round, World Series, whatever. Absolutely. Really, you just got to get in the tournament, and that's what they're trying to do right now. Uh, as we see here today, it's an off day. Um, yes, yeah, Thursday, <laughs> by the way, guys. This uh, The audio will this be out the, later tonight. Yeah, but- the Rangers' last off day of the season. Um, I got a text message moments ago. Dane Dunning, uh, uh, Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Navaldi are going to be the starting pitchers against the Mariners in a, in a critical, critical series. Uh, the two teams are currently tied right now for second place in the American League West for the third wild card spot. Uh, this series is going to go a long way toward uh, d- deciding what happens uh, in the playoffs. So the playoff future for, for both teams is at stake. So, um. You know, and and when you when you pull back and look, the Rangers are six and four in their last ten, I think. But it's been it's been a hell of a six and four. Good Lord! <laughs> so you sweep you sweep Toronto, which we talked about last week. Go to Cleveland, get swept, lose the first game against Boston, and then play pretty darn good baseball the last two games to to win, that, to win that series. Seems to have woke up. Well, you thought that's 
what had happened in Toronto, then it went to sleep in, in, in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland has some good arms, but let's be honest, not, not six runs in three games good. And then um, Rangers had a chance to sweep that Boston series. The first game got away from them uh, with some more bullpen difficulties. Um, but then uh, the offense kind of kind of came through. Um, the bullpen did come through in both of those games uh, that they won. So, you know, you, you hope they – you hope, I guess, that the off day doesn't kill the offense's momentum. You hope that it, it gets these guys to realize, I know they've been saying it, every game's important. You, you can't press all of that stuff, but, at, you know, it's 10 games to go. You know, yeah. if, if you're sore, you're playing. If you're tired, you're playing. You just find that inner reserve, maybe some adrenaline to get you through. But uh, it's, it's nut-cutting time, and um, it's time to go. Yeah, there's there's nothing else you can do. Um, look, so you so the, is it seven? They got seven with Seattle coming here. They yeah. got three this weekend, four there, and then they come. They go to L.A. to no, 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 three here, three L.A., four Seattle. The four se- Seattle. The season, the season ends in Seattle. Oh God, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be probably chilly uh, in Seattle. Um, the, now, if you look at, don't they have a roof or do they not? Yeah, but it, it's open air. Okay. It's freezing there. It's the coldest place on the face of the earth. Okay. <laughs> the uh, um, So, anyway, rotation, we just had Dunning, Montgomery, Valdi. You figure you figure they drop in uh, maybe uh, maybe Perez Yeah, they talked like maybe Perez. Um, then, then you flip it around and you have Gray on that Tuesday. With Heaney. Then, then you go then, – then you go Dunning – Montgomery, the first game in Seattle, Evaldi, the second game in Seattle, and then, and then you oh, don't. It's know. all hands on. And then deck. you don't know, but it is all hands on deck. It could be a series of bullpen games. You know, Triple A still playing. You can still you can still option players up and down. I mean, there could, there could be all kinds of things that happen here to keep arms fresh, uh, to protect the the pitching. Just whatever the Rangers think is going to give them the best chance. And if you know if John Gray can get these things straightened out, if he can give them five, yep. You know, if 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 uh, I mean that would be, that would be mammoth. That yeah. would be that would be exceptional, um, and they can still tinker with with the rotation. What I just said is how things line up, but they could adjust to make sure that that they have Montgomery and and Evaldi going going late. But by then it might be too late. So maybe you got to win those first two in Seattle, and, and you go up to your best and 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 see what happens Saturday and Sunday. But <clears throat> it's uh it's 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 a fun time. You know, I I just drawing back on my experiences covering the, the team in the postseason. You know, um, Mike, Mike Maddox did a great job in, in 2015 with the, the rotation, setting it up the right way to get the Rangers where they wanted to the, you know, he had, he set it up so that Cole Hamels was ready for 162. Yeah. And by God, after that, that terrible ninth inning with Sean Tolleson, God bless him. Um, it became necessary. And, and, so and Hamels went out and pitched pitched his tail off, gave up a two run homer to Albert Pujols, I think, in the first inning, and uh, that was it. Yep. And um, you know the offense went crazy. Belcher had a good game. Josh Hamilton had a big game. Um, just things that it's it, it's fun. You know, in 2010 they clinched early. They could in 11 they clinched early, so they could take their time to set things up for the postseason. They really right. never had to navigate down the stretch like this. Uh, you know, 12 it just fell apart on them. Man. Ryan Dempster starting the last game, uh, the big the, the, the trade line acquisition that trade deadline acquisition that year. Uh, Sixteen again, they ran away with it. So really, you know, fifteen's the only time 
during my time on the beat where it went down to the wire. And yep. the last game was was of the utmost importance. They beat the beat the Angels, um, <clears throat> so they and they they hung on. So the, you know you, you're you're wondering what's going to happen here this last week. I mean, shoot, there's there's <clears throat> the three teams in the American League West. The top three are separated by half a game. Yeah, um, the Rangers are closer to first place than they are to the second wild card, which Toronto currently holds. So it's uh it's it's crazy. You, you will realize that it's fun. The players will realize that it's fun in the moment. It's just grind. It's do what you can to win a ball game. Uh, it's 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 tough mentally, but uh, they do have enough veterans, uh, some guys who've been there before who can kind of lead them through this. And uh, you 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 just sit back and see what happens. Absolutely, and and for fans, you if you're not loving this, I don't know. I'm, I understand the frustration. I get they were in first place all this time, and then they've fallen down. But, my God, think of how long it's been yeah. since you've been this many – What did we? T- is it ten games we got left? Ten games. Ten games we got left. And this team is playing for its playoff life, which they – think of last year at this time. Right. I mean, I – my wife would have to pinch me to wake up and watch the game on TV because yeah. it was hard to watch. I mean, they were so far out of it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you were excited about was Josh Young was in the lineup. He had come back from that injury. Yeah. He was getting his at-bats. You were going to see what he was doing. But nothing on that team was exciting. Yeah, you know, faint, you, you, had, um, you had Nate Lowe chasing 300, which was, which was good and in which he, he got. But, you know, Dane Dunning was hurt and had hip surgery. Right. You know, guys who – Guys who were in the in past years when you've gone out of contention, 2014, for instance, when everybody in the world had surgery, well, Rangers were out of it on September 1st, so Shinsu Chu had surgery. If this was like that, Jonah Heim would have had surgery. Sure, Corey Seager um, would be playing, I think, you know, with with his thumb. But um, I don't think Josh Young would be in the lineup. No, you know, I, no. And, and and I really bet that Adolis Garcia they wouldn't have pushed allowed him to push like like he did. So exactly. It's uh, it's it's. Just a different mindset, and Evan Carter but, probably would not be here, right? Yeah, now. probably not. These these guys want to be. Well, he might be. He might be. They might have said, "All right, this is going to be our guy. Let's give him a taste." But I know what you're saying. Yes, uh, he's here because they needed to win. They needed a piece to help them win, not a piece to try out. So that's yeah. that's the and Adolis getting hurt was the door that opened for yeah. them. But yeah. there, who else were they going to go to? Yeah, this is the time. Let's you know. Let's yeah. bring the kid. He's earned the chance to come up here. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he was just like we're going to get into Wyatt Langford in a little bit when we get down to the bus leagues after Mike gets here. But I mean, he he had gone up to AAA. Evan had he had performed at AAA. Adolis gets hurt. It's obvious he's going to hit the IL. He can't play for at yeah. least a week. We know that. And so they bring up, and, I mean, hats off. I mean, Evan is – He's been terrific. He has. Uh, you know, he, I mean, it's not just at the plate. He's done it on the bases. He's – you know, I, I really want to see him race Leo de Tavares. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd love to see that, see, who, see who's faster. Um, well, in his, a straight his, sprint, his, his you d- would probably think, Leody, but I'm running those bases is an art form. You can yeah, be faster yeah. on the bases and maybe not beat them in a 40-yard dash, yeah. but you can – the way you run the bases and how you do it – well, it, you know, makes you quicker in a lot of situations. We'll try to arrange that at spring training. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Because um, they want to do what we say. Yeah, Carter's defense has been wonderful. Uh, and and I, think he, I think he has the best strike zone judgment of anybody on the team. Uh, I, you know, it, it's different because he's, he's up there not to slug. You know, he's up there to, to, to find a pitch to hit, whereas like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager for strike, they're, they're swinging and 
strike zone judgment isn't just taking pitches, it's swinging at the right pitches. Yeah. But, boy, it sure seems like Evan does that a lot. And uh, we were talking the other night at the game, and I think I wrote this at rangerstoday.com, $5.99 a month, $60 for the year. He's not going back to the minors. No, I think, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we you and I were sitting there he's talking. Not go, he's not going back. He's done. He's this done. Is, Unless it's a rehab assignment for some little injury and they want to get him a few ABs. Other than that, I think, I think welcome to the big leagues, Evan Carter. You're a big leaguer. Yeah, I think it's 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 done. Um, they're going to need, you know, whether they want to move Evan to, Carter to center field or Leody Tavares to left. I think I think your three outfielders, opening to outfielders, are on the roster and they're playing right now. Yep. You know, I I I wrote this also Rangers today. Leody Tavares, a he's having a great month. It, you look at his season overall, he's a, a plus two point one or two point two WAR player. Uh, he's now hitting 270. He's hitting like 370 this month. He's he's finishing on the right note. He went through a lull. I still think he's only 24. He's a young guy. I know he's been in the organization since 2015. So let me do the math. Maybe he's 25. But whatever. He's young. This is this is his first full season in the major leagues right. without any minor league ball. So I think I think next year he's got a chance to be a, 25. A, an even better player. He just turned 25 September 8th. So. Um, he's 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 gonna be fine. I I think that to start the year, those are your three outfielders. But and let's be honest. Let's say that that <laughs> White Langford, who you know, there's debates on will he make the team out of spring training. I, we don't know that, but let's say at some point next year, I think it's obvious that if he does anything like he's doing now, he's gonna be in the big league at some point next year. Yeah. It's just there's no way to get around sure. there. If that guy comes up and your outfield <laughs> them to Cubs say a Dolis. And then you probably have Evan in center, and you got Langford in left, and that's a good looking outfield there. And your fourth outfielder is Leody Tavares, yeah. who's playing three or four days a week, moving around yeah. or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a st- not only is that a stout defense, offense, a, a stout offense in an outfield. That's a stout defense. You've got some great late inning uh, things that you can do there. He's also it could be a pinch runner. Um, th- that yeah. guy's got to be on your roster now. You want him to get more at bats since he's only twenty five years old. But good lord, that's a good. That's a good outfield. Yeah, yeah, and it you know, and it's possible all four could play depending on what you do with the the DH spot next season. Sure, you know, I I don't know that you um, maybe you resign Mitch Garver. I don't think you. I've, I've seen some things about the qualifying offer. The qualifying offer is going to be 20, 20, million. And a half, 20 and a half million. Yeah. And, and Mitch Garver's making maybe four million this year. Yeah, you're not going to or offer six. Him that. You're not going to give him that. He no. would he would jump on it in a heartbeat. I don't think there's a team out there saying, "Hey, Mitch Garver, we're going to sign you for." Well, free, they need too much play in their thirty. Yeah, uh, they do have a lot of of other moves. They they likely they, they've got to work the cap to, into and twenty million can't go to to yeah, Mitch. Oh, no, there's no cap, but I know the luxury tax. The I know luxury tax. Saying. What I'm yeah. talking about. Um, you know, you're going to clear nineteen point six with Martin Perez. Very likely not. Not coming back to the team, at least not at nineteen point six. No, um, I don't know what Andrew, Andrew Heaney. What happens there? I think it's a player contract. I don't know if the team can wiggle out of that or not. Um, yeah, uh, Will Smith becomes a free agent. You know, there there are some Robbie Grossman. It's that you know that's only two or three million a pop. Right, but <clears throat> there are guys who who are coming off the payroll um, now. You know, you you have your own arbitration arbitration guys, guys that are going to. Dolis Garcia and, and and Nate Lowe, they're going to make pretty good money in arbitration, you know, and yeah. and, and so you'll, you'll see where that falls. But um, the it Rangers, seems the to squeeze are, out Garver. Yeah, it, it do, seems it, to. it does. It does. But the, the Rangers are going to seem to want to sign. I would think a starting pitcher. 
Uh, you know, I, oh, at least look, I, I would I would resign Jordan Montgomery. I mean, you know, just I, I think that is something that that needs to be done. I, you know, he's he's been just very very good. Yeah. You know, it's a it, it as I remember having not looked for a while. It's a it's a thin group of starting pitchers. Yeah. So he might get a a, a higher price tag, but I think you can I think you can justify paying for it. I mean, you know, and and as we've learned this year, the win, more you're in win mode now, and, yeah. and you're not going to have Jacob Degrom to for start the of, year for most of the year. You know, so <clears throat> what 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 are you going in with your rotation as John Gray, who's still under contract affordably, Max Scherzer is an affordable deal. Still got to see where he's at he's coming like, off what he's feeling he's right now. Be fine. Uh, Andrew Heaney, that's it's twelve and a half, I think. But is he is Dunning? he on the team or not? Dunning, who's who might be arbitration eligible finally now. Um, so <clears throat> he's going to be on the team, whether he's going to be a starting rotation guy or a, yeah. I mean, he's pr- he's acquitted himself pretty well in the rotation. And right. then um, that's your so, five guy. You're good. Yeah, but you you need another you need another arm there. At uh, least. And, I, and I don't you know I don't think there's any you know Cody Bradford. Has, has has been pretty good, honestly. Uh, do you want to give him a, a full opportunity to start, or do you, you know, you need depth? Does he become a depth piece? You know, do you do you understand now where Andrew Heaney's limits are? Um, every year is different, but you know, do you do you create a piggyback? You know, something something like that. I don't, I don't know. You know, there are a lot of that's a long way away, but um, so my guess <laughs> is they, they they'll go after some bullpen. <laughs> you'd hope you'd hope after based on this year that that Chris Young learns his lesson um this you team, know and the, you know the thing about Chris Young and not being critical of him at all but he was on his his team that he won the world series with the Royals had the best bullpen in baseball and uh, I think he understands the value of that and uh maybe they had other things they wanted to address with the budget last year you know acquiring the pitchers they acquired Ivaldi and, and Rom and spent money there, but I think at some point you got to put some money into the bullpen. And, yep. and you know, John Daniels is our good friend. Um, I I never liked the way he constructed his bullpen. He he was always of the belief, well, I can find you a closer, I can find you a reliever. Okay, great, but but you know how you know how often do teams win without like just a badass bullpen? And it doesn't happen very often. So yep. um, we'll we'll see about that. But again, that's. That's way jumping the shark. I mean, this team still got ten games to go. Can be in the postseason, and and you know, once you get in the tournament, you never know what happens. You know, the you you can look at some recent examples. Look at TCU. Nobody yep. expected them to beat Michigan. They got in the tournament and went to the national title game. They lost like Duke to UNLV, but that's all right. <laughs> um, and then you know, but it happens every year. San Diego State in the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, UConn really was, was kind of was a five seed, and they're kind of. Up, up and down, up and down. They entered the tournament hot. They got in. They went all the way, and they won it. So there's just – you get in the tournament, you never know what happens. Yep. So 10 games to get there. And uh, it's going to be, like you said, to what start. Do, so it's going to be you, fun. What do you think yeah. – and, of course, all offseason is going to be fun <laughs> trying to figure out what they're going to do. But, you know, the, the guy that frustrates you, or not frustrating, it's just such a – He's back and forth, and you can't. Is Leclerc came in and closed that game the other night? There, there's another six million that's coming off the books. Yeah, you think yeah. he's gone? Uh, he's not coming back for six million. No, but that guy, he he is such a bipolar pitcher. I've not, he came in and closed that game the other night and looked like him. It looked like the old closing 
Leclerc, I mean, struck out. I just yeah. looked fantastic. Oh, man. It's so fr- – and then, you know what? Chapman came in and gave him two innings where he looked good. And then all of a sudden, they, oh, it's so frustrating, that bullpen. But, no, they've got – they're going to address the bullpen. And, you know, the question then comes, who's available in the offseason for the yeah. bullpen? Yeah. You know, is it going to be a trade you're going to have to do? Everybody's talking about Bednar. That's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get Bednar to leave from the Pirates. If you think you're just going to go out and say, yeah. oh, I'll give you yeah. a Leody. You know, I'll give you a, a Duran. You know, they're going to want, they're going to want length. They're going to start with Lankford and you're going to give them Lankford. No, not for bed and iron. It's never going to happen. So, you know, that, that, why would they, he's a, he's an all-star closer there. So uh, boy, but you know what? I think what they thought, what Chris Young thought is if the starting rotation lived up to what you thought they were going in this year with, with Jacob DeGrom at the head of that rotation, if they are keeping you and the score low and your offense does what it can, your bullpen you can piece together back there Yeah. with that. And it's just the starting pitching, while has been okay, and it was good at some times, it was really good. Mm-hmm. You just – you just when all of a sudden – all of a sudden you, you, you got exposed to the fact that you really don't have a lockdown closer. Yeah. You know what I mean? You really yeah. don't have one. Sure. And that's where it was. And we, you and I talked about that. It's something I've always brought up, too. When, when first of the year, when they were scoring all those runs and they were jumping out six, eight runs, your bullpen looked great because when you were coming in, you could attack anybody yeah. with a fastball down the middle or whatever because if they beat you, it's one run and you're down six or whatever yeah. it was. But, boy, when nut-cutting time came and it got close, yeah. it became exposed. Yeah. Uh, before we go to uh, Mike Bassick, um, got an email here, which I'm – Looking, that's why I'm looking at my phone. Um, Rangers to honor Juan Gonzalez on Friday night. Gonz- Tomorrow. Gonzalez will receive his Hall of Fame jacket and throw out the first pitch. Um, you know, it, it's been uh, – I don't, I don't know what happened, you know, it, it, with, with that relationship. That's amazing. It's, it's very strained, you know, one of the his best – His son came in to accept his – Yeah, one of the best players in, in, in franchise history when they – Club inducted him to the Hall of Fame. He wouldn't come for the ceremony. His son did it. His son still lives in Arlington. Well, it appears as though uh, they've had a breakthrough. Maybe some maybe some um, bridges have been repaired if they were burned. But a lot of uh, the people that were there when he was there aren't here anymore. Yeah, but um, that wasn't the case. I mean, that that was still the um, yeah. It's, it's whatever it whatever it is. He did not like being traded. Whatever it is, yeah. Um, Juan Gonzalez will be at the at, at Globe Life Field tomorrow night, so that's that's uh, that's cool and a positive thing. And uh, T.R. Sullivan texted me a few minutes ago and said he's going to write a story about it. So uh, be sure to check out RangersToday.com. For Absolutely that for those because that'll be great. Yeah, uh, five ninety nine a month, sixty dollars for the year. You get me, you get John, you get uh, T.R. Sullivan. So. Hey, don't worry. You don't get a lot of me. Those two are professional journalists. I just spout off stupid ideas for trades and stuff every once in a while, and I do my top twenty, my top twenty list. There you go. So, but you don't have to worry. You're not paying five ninety nine for John Moore. You are paying for T. R. Sullivan, and and Jeff uh, Jeff Wilson, who are two professional baseball players. We are well, professional. baseball writers, but we're professionals. Well, you've been doing it for, together. You've been over 30 years easy covering major league baseball. Together, together we're almost at 50. Yeah, yeah that's TR, true. TR had in the low thirties. I'm in the, I'm in the mid, mid to upper teens. So that's we're, right. we're getting there and we spent a lot of those years together. It was a good time. You throw my five in with that. And then you'd, you'd you get go. to 50, there but, you, you know, it's not as professional as them. And you're hurting the Hey, average. let's get Mike on. I really want to hear his opinion of this team and what yeah, they're going to do. Yeah. And then and then we'll go down in the buzz leagues after that. All right, let's do All it. All right, Mike Bassett, right after this, guys. 
Today's guest segment is brought to you by the Frisco Rough Riders. Jeff, what's going on in Frisco? Well, you know, the, their, their season comes to an end this week. They're on the road, so they had their last home game on Sunday. And, um, but that doesn't mean that there's not stuff going on in, in Frisco. There's always stuff going on. If you go to uh, milb.com slash Frisco slash events, if you want to have a private event there, uh, you know, they have meeting spaces for businesses. They, they can have happy hours there. They have the lazy river, which probably gets a little cold in, in, in the off season. But the point of the, the, the fact of the matter is that if you want to do something for your business, uh, your family, whatever it is, you need to look at Frisco and go to, again, milb.com slash Frisco slash events. We, we can't thank Frisco enough for uh, supporting uh, the Ranger Today Baseball podcast this season as the title sponsor for the guest segment. And hopefully, hopefully, it's the start of things to come. So uh, stay tuned and keep Frisco on your mind if you have an event. All right, guys, and joining us right now from his house, from his house you know, he's a former Texas Ranger. He's also on the pre- and post-game show for Bally Sports. He's also on 101.53, the fan. He's our good buddy, Mike Bassig. Mike, what's going on, man? Hanging in there, man. Riding this Texas giant called the uh, Texas Rangers baseball season this year. Boy, that's the truth. I, you know, I... I mean, Bruce Bochy said it yesterday before the game. He hasn't seen anything like this, uh, a team that's been so helter-skelter really for the last month. But I don't – you know, and everybody always says, oh, well, that's baseball. And I guess it is. But, man, this is this is unique baseball. I'm with you. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I can remember in 2012 the major disappointment of a team for five and a half months. Best team in baseball. They're going to win the World Series. And then the last two weeks, just horrible baseball. Right. But that was like, what's going on here? And they, could, they couldn't recover. This is, oh, no, they're not going to recover. And then they have a week where you're like, wow, they're good again. And then the next week, they're, they're one of the 10 worst teams in all of baseball. And I, <laughs> so we'll see. Like, I don't know. With 10 games left, people keep asking me. It's funny. I'll drop a name here. Greg Ostertag from Duncanville. Yeah. He keeps texting me. I think he's turned into a pretty big Rangers fan this year. He's like, come on, tell me. What do you really think Rangers going to make the playoffs? And I swear my percentage of them making the playoffs changes after every game. Uh, it, 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 it has does. to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll say, I'll say this. Greg Osertag needs to be a Rangers today subscriber. He does. Yeah. I know Greg. Well, I know his parents better. <laughs> yeah. His parents were my boss when I was an umpire that umpired Mike when he was eight years old. I was looking forward oh. to this good, this good Duncanville talk. I thought I'd wait a little while longer. <laughs> well, that's when I get to my part. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that. We got to talk baseball now. The Texas Rangers are battling for this thing. All right. So what, what, 10 games ago, what do you think? So record-wise, it's a little bit weird because if they go 6-1 and one against Seattle, they can lose all three against L.A., and I think they'll make it. Yeah. But – Let's just say they go three and four against Seattle. I think they probably need to sweep L.A. to get in. Now, maybe Seattle gets super hot and they also kick the tail out of Houston. But it's with 10 games to go, those Seattle games mean so much. The L.A. game should mean something. But really, if you go five and two against Seattle or better – you're probably in no matter what you do against L.A. Uh, and if you go one and six, which 
I would say it's not possible, but anything's possible it's with possible. this team. <laughs> if you go one and six against Seattle, it might not do anything if you sweep LA. You might have just played yourself out of the playoffs by not playing well against Seattle. Yeah, you know, it's 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 pretty interesting. They I don't want to say they each have a cupcake, but the Astros play the Royals. Right. The Mariners just finished with the A's. The Rangers get the Angels who've been eliminated and are a disaster of a franchise. The Astros have a tough last week. Yeah. You know, at, at Seattle and at, Ari- at Seattle and at Arizona, Arizona's playing for something too. I mean, right. those are, that's, that's a sneaky tough week. I, the Astros could be left out. I mean, it, honestly, all these guys could be left out, including Toronto, but isn't that crazy? Any of these three could be left out. It's just, or, and, and then one of them is going to be the two seed and get a bye. Yeah. So it, it's, it's nuts. You kind of forget the other team's fandom. And Shereen Williams, who's a football writer for the most part, but I didn't know she was a Houston Astros fan. And she's furious with the Houston Astros the other day. After Will Smith blows another lead and and the Rangers can't save a game to save their lives, and every Ranger fan is furious, I'm on Twitter and I see Shereen Williams going, Astros aren't making the playoffs. The only person who cares on this team is the hitting coach. They're done and they're not going to make the playoffs. And I'm like, I feel like all three teams in the West right now are furious with their teams, are very confused on what they have. Yeah, the uh, Mariners, great Mariners beat writer, uh, Ryan Divish, he'll retweet fan tweets that he gets. Oh, They're God. hysterical. I mean, everybody's in meltdown mode, you know. You know you know what our fans are saying. Absolutely. It, but it's it's funny. And Shireen, you know, I used to work with her at the Star-Telegram. She's, she's yeah, big-time Astros fan. She'll beat her chest out there when they're good and – get mad but good you know yeah it, it, it is good and that's, i guess this is what you want though i mean this is exactly what you want yeah it, that's what's great about sports yeah. when you when you you know what let's not argue politics let's argue about my team's better than your team and let's get in a heated debate that's just fun yeah so you know i, I cut you guys are actually media media i come at it from the fan perspective that gets to do media now so I really get to hear it from them. And why don't they ask this and that? And I'm like, what, what do you think that you're going to ask uh, Bochi a question and he's going to throw someone under a bus? He's not going to do it. I mean. <laughs> no, we gave him a chance the other night. Yeah. We gave him a chance. Yeah. With and he, Will Smith. With Will Smith and he didn't. And yeah. and so it's just, not, you guys act like, well, if you'd press him, what else can you do? <laughs> All right. I will say interviewing Bochi every Tuesday on 105.3 The Fan, he's been really honest and which has been really fun is, we asked him the other day about Adolis Garcia and him coming back and just his strikeouts and since the All-Star break. And he said, yeah, I, he pretty much said, I agree with you guys. He really is struggling. He's not the same player that he was in the first half. But we believe he can get back to that player. So it's yeah. like, yes, I am going to acknowledge the struggles of Adolis Garcia and how it has affected the team at the same time to your point i'm not going to throw him under the bus and say well we don't want him anymore he's just saying we need him to get back to the first half of dolis well you know the the, the last couple games he's looked good seen some and some yeah. good at bats josh young maybe they're coming well seager the right one that's scuttled just a little bit for yeah. three or four yeah. games and what are you going to say about that i mean the guy was due to have one week where he went went through a couple of games where he didn't get a hit, and you're going to throw him out the window and start yeah. complaining about that? I mean, give me a break. This happens. This is yeah. baseball. But you know, you and and you mentioned something, and this kind of made me when you said Shireen, that also kind of made me think. This was on the last road trip you were doing post game, and you said there's 17 games left or 19 games left, 
that's shorter than an NFL season, or that's longer than an NFL season. There's a lot of time left. And sure. honestly, with 10 games, a lot can happen in 10 games. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and that's where I changed it to when there's 13 games left on the postgame show. I said, we're down to a college football season. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> right now it's football time. Obviously, right. this is a football community that we're in, and everybody yeah. goes bonkers over football. And really, in my opinion, football is not better than baseball. It's not worse than baseball. In our society today, we need instant gratification, and we need a lot on the line for us to care a lot about Absolutely. what's happening. And so I'm kind of saying we are now down to you can look at these games as a Cowboy schedule or as a University of Texas schedule. Yeah. Um, and I was just trying to, like, engage that football fan into going, wow, this is like a football season now. Yep. Yeah, well, and hopefully conversely they understand that you open the season one in five. That's like the first six minutes of the first quarter of a game. You know, yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you've also been pretty bullish on, on Corey Seager um, and for, for very good reason. And, I, and we, we all suspect that Shohei Otani is going to win the MVP, but um, I'm, you know, the, 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 the name that comes to mind is, is Josh Hamilton, the last season that, that a Rangers player had where he was just this consistently hot. Yeah, and when you say bullish on him, are you saying because I've said 100% of the voters will vote for Shohei Otani first place? Yeah. Yeah, but you're very – but you're 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 like Corey Sears, the best player in the American League right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and that's – when you look at war, I know Simeon has them. At least I looked a few days ago. It could have changed after the last two games or something. But I believe Simeon was 6.7 and Seager was 6.6 .6 last I looked. And they were leading the American League in war when you take out Otani's pitching war and just uh -huh. do the offensive uh, right. war that you can put up. And yeah, this has been really special talking to David Murphy. He said, this does remind him of 2010 with uh, Josh Hamilton when he batted 359 and he didn't play, but 130 games approximately. Yeah, he, he, basically, he basically missed the last month. He, he uh, crashed into a wall at, at target field that he went to the center field wall and like bruised his rib, maybe broke a rib. I don't remember, but he, he came back for maybe the last weekend, and then the playoffs started, and he was – the division series, he didn't hit great. And then, of course, the the, the LCS, he went crazy. But, right. But, yeah, it's very – it's it's similar because he, he didn't play – he did not play 130 games, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. And so it's going to be kind of a similar game total from those two guys. Yeah. And I, Corey Seager, to me – and I know he's in a little bit of a slump right now. Unfortunately, for the first time – He's in a slump all year. It didn't matter if he got hurt. He has that Adrian Beltre trait where you can take four weeks off of playing baseball and just say, <laughs> give me a bat and I'll, I'll go two for four every game for the next yeah, five it's days. It's just nuts. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I just think how lucky were the Rangers too? Because last I will say last year at this time, I was like, what are we going to do with Seager? Like with the this long of a contract, playing at mm -hmm. shortstop, you know, and and he hit good, but not great. And now right. here we are in year two going, wow, there's no better position player, especially offensively. There's better defensive shortstops in the American League, but mm -hmm. there's no better offensive player in the American League than Seager. And a lot of teams have signed a lot of middle infielders to big contracts in the last two years. And it looks like the Rangers might have, for the money paid, got the best big free agent middle infielder. 
Sure. And you know, you, you forget, you forget about the shift and how many hits it took away from them, but it, we're talking like 80 points difference. I don't know that it's 80 points difference. I mean, a lot of his, a lot of his balls are just would go over the second baseman if he were in shallow right field, you know, it, right. it, he's just hitting the ball so hard. He hits him to all fields. Yeah. And it's, and it's such an aggressive approach too. I mean, you know, just how many times does he swing at the first pitch? Yeah. And you he know, doesn't even it, take a practice swing. That's what always <laughs> has got me. He gets in, he gets in his, you ought to see Mike. I know you know, you don't get there. Sometimes when we get down there, especially last year, we would see that he does this work on a, like an iPad where he gets with maybe a hit coach he works with or whoever he does to do that. And you can't argue it. It's like, whatever you're doing, you do it. I mean, because that's that's his process and what he does. Yeah. But he steps in. He doesn't even take a practice swing. He, he has not called a time timeout all, no. all, all, all year. No, he's ready wow. to go. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I know he's only broke one bat, I think, the whole year. And it, <laughs> and it died a hero. Yeah, and they were talking about it right before it broke. Yeah. How old that yeah. bat was when he when he broke yeah. it. Yeah. So let me um, let me ask. Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you guys a question? So you can sure. play this next year around this time. Corey Seager this year, obviously, 330 or above hitter, probably at the end of the year. The OPS is at one. Is this who Corey Seager is going to be for the next three years, or is this a career year for Corey Seager? Well, he's still – he's not 30 yet, or he's just about to turn 30, one of the right. two. So he's kind of at his peak. Um, I, you, I, don't I think know. you got at least one more, maybe two. And when I'm saying the drop-off, though, the drop-off isn't going to be a horrible drop-off. I'm just yeah. talking defensively. At some point, you kind of think to yourself, maybe he does slide to a corner or do something like that eventually. Uh, but right now, people don't understand. Yeah, he doesn't have Elvis and uh, Andrus range, but, man, he is so smooth to any ball that's hit to him. And, in fact, he's so good. He had that one error here a couple of weeks ago, and it highlighted the fact that he doesn't make a lot of errors. And uh, I, I don't know if three years you think he, he's, yeah. yeah it, as long as the, the shift rules stay the same, I think he's going to always hit around 300. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't doubt that. I, I'd like to see him play 140, 145 games. I don't know that he's done that yet in his career. Right. Um, but shoot, if you can take this and then have a good backup shortstop for three weeks, like Zeke Duran was, you'll, you, you'll take it, but every time, um, you get 100 games out of him, 120 games out of him. Yeah. Look, as long as it's not during the, the end of the season or whatever, you 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 can't complain about what you're paying him well, if he continues yeah. to do anything close to what he's doing. And if, if you go back and look at his numbers with the shift, you know, last year was by far his worst season. So it's not like it's not like the shift was solely responsible for last season. You know, he was going into a new environment, yep. didn't have spring training, a full spring training, stuff like that. So yeah. uh but th th this might be peak Corey Seager, but I don't think it's a, a drastic off a cliff if he if he declines. Yeah, and if it's peak Corey uh, Corey Seager and he's just twenty nine, about to be thirty, yeah, you might have a couple more years of peak. You know, you you go through that peak for a couple of years, yeah. right? So yeah, I I don't see a huge drop off if there is any at all. But I mean, these are these numbers are crazy, Mike. I mean, these are. Yeah. These are great numbers. Yeah. I've just been thinking about it on like next year, is Corey Seager going to be a 320 hitter with 30 plus home runs and a hundred plus RBIs and a hundred runs scored. And I know that he's never done that consistently in his career. Some of it based off of injury, but I'm like, what if for the next three years, 
he's that guy. I think it's really tough to say five years from now as he gets right. into his mid-30s. I mean, when right. I play, when you're in your mid-30s, you got better, but there was an enhancer <laughs> that could get you better there was a, uh, in your mid-30s. There was a special potion you could take that would help you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to have Wyatt Langford right behind him protecting him here pretty soon. There you so. go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to talk about that a little later, but uh, God, that, that that's crazy. I yeah. know and then uh, I, before we turn it over to non-ball talk, I, how, how impressive have you been with Evan Carter? Just for 21, 21 on August 28th, he just yeah. he might have the best strike zone judgment on the team. When you talk to people, uh, I was talking to Pat Doney the other day. He was at the Ranger game, and he's like, man, I interviewed him a couple months ago, and he was like, maybe next year when I get to the major leagues or have an opportunity, this and that. And he's like, but even when you talk to him in uh, around the All-Star break, it's like you're you know he's 20 but he's talking to you like he's 30. Right. You know, you can see in his body he's 20 and now 21. Right. But like you he has a maturity and an attitude about the game and kind of like this steadiness about him that he doesn't get too high and he doesn't get too low that is like perfect for a baseball player. Sometimes people don't appreciate that or love that i'll give two examples around the same time bryce harper and mike trout came into the league i think people maybe enjoy bryce harper more everybody knows when they're both healthy mike trout's better but mike trout doesn't have a personality that waits he's not going to show emotion on the baseball field my or uh, bryce harper shows a lot of emotion so he connects more people want to put him in more commercials because of his emotional stance Exactly. In the game. And I think Evan Carter has this kind of Mike Trout. I don't want to compare him as players, but Mike Trout yeah. personality attitude, yep. which could get boring at <laughs> times to fans going, how come he doesn't seem excited about this situation? But at the same time, he's not going to get too down when things eventually, when he goes into a slump, uh, hopefully not the rest of this year, but at some point next year, he'll go into a slump. You're going to be like, Gosh, it doesn't seem to bug him at all that he's going into a slump and it doesn't seem to elevate him into, you know, acting crazy because he's 10 for his last 15, you know, stuff like that. But he take to me, his plate discipline for that age. Yeah, good. I noticed the other day, and I'm sorry I'm drawing a blank on the team. It was on the road and they kept trying to get him to chase below the strike zone, and that is pitching 101. Whenever you have a young guy come up from the minor leagues, work ahead of them, and then throw balls below the zone or above the zone, and they will chase. Their adrenaline and their excitement will take over, and they'll expand their zone. And he just refuses to expand his zone. Yeah, yep. he has not chased. He has that not. Time. And he, he did that at every level as he went up. That's all you heard yeah. about. You would think, man, major leagues. Yeah, I mean, this, race. Is, this is where you would understand <laughs> yeah. if he did flail at a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's been it's been impressive, and we've had him on our show a couple times. And great kid, just yeah, married, great family, but man, it's 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 better than I thought it was going to be. And and I know it's only been two weeks, but sure, still, it's pretty good. <laughs> no, no, it's he, he has delivered. Yeah, I like yeah. asking you guys questions about this too. With Evan Carter, I know he's batting ninth this year. Do you see him next year still batting ninth and keeping him in kind of a role where, like, let's not put too much pressure on him? But he is a guy who gets on base 40% of the time almost every year he's been playing professional ball. 
Would you see the Rangers going Carter one, Simeon two, Seager three, or do you think they'll just keep it the same in 2024? I, yeah, I I think he starts the year at the bottom of the, the lineup. I think the goal is to have him leading off. I think that's honestly but what we, they think he is. They, we talked to Bruce Bochy again yesterday about this, and um, he said, he you know, Leone Tavares is having a great month. Sure. You know, if, if Leo Tavares can be a little more consistent, you know, he's hitting 270, but it's it's been a roller coaster. He doesn't get on base as much as Evan does, but he's speedy. He, yep. he can drive the ball. So maybe that's your nine hitter and Carter's your one hitter eventually. But Bruce really likes those guys. Yeah. Eight, nine. And it, and he he thinks of it as the second leadoff guy, you know, yeah. and if those guys are on base and they flip the order for, for Simeon and Seager, good things are usually going to happen. And so I, I don't know. I think we, we, we were, I, I always talk about, you know, don't fall in love with guys at spring training. And, you know, if he has this great spring, what are you going to be tempted to do? And I, I still think you got to ease him into a, exactly. to a major league season. Absolutely. It's a long season. And he's playing a first full season of baseball. Really, he's gone this year. He was off a little bit with that wrist thing he did. But, yeah, I, I think eventually – I think they see him, especially with his plate discipline like you talked about and, and all of that. I think eventually he is, and the speed is a leadoff hitter. But, yeah, I could see starting the year, I could see him starting back at the back. Yeah. And why yeah. wouldn't they? He's still only 21 years old. So Yeah, a lot of new things on the horizon. You know, looking good, too. Anaheim and Seattle are going to be the second and or the third and fourth ballparks he's been to. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's real <laughs> stuff. You know that. You know that. That's real stuff. Yeah, you're fall. You're you're definitely following in those situations. You're kind of like getting on the bus, and usually kind of quiet. I know it's changed a little bit. I think veterans treat younger guys. I'll say better. I mean, that might not. That's maybe too basic of a word to say there, but I think that you're not as fearful of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. and eating going to eat the spread before the veterans get their food you know just little things like that um yeah you know making sure that your cleats are very basic and that you're not too flashy with your cleats i think that that has changed over time and guys will help him more but still at the same time you're like so where where do we go how do yeah, we walk sure. here um do we take a cab early or do i just get on the first bus you know so all that stuff no, no, I was telling them yesterday. I was like, Anaheim is just a bunch of strip malls. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, Seattle, don't go too far from the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to pack warm. Yeah. Sell his wife to pack warm. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, John, take over. All right, so now we go to the fun part, Mike. We're going to get to know Mike. And now, honestly, I've known Mike since Mike was seven, eight years old. Uh oh. So I have three <laughs> stories about Mike that he kind of knows but may not know about. So first of all, both of us are Duncanville boys. We grew up, played baseball for – I played baseball for Bob Rombach. The first year he came to Duncanville was my junior mm. year of high school. My junior and senior year, my baseball glove was given to me by his dad. Mike's dad. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and I talked to your dad about this at the Do It For Durant uh, tournament here a couple of weeks ago. He kind of remembered it. Of course, this is almost 40 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this is 38 years ago. He knew my then stepfather and my glove got stolen out of the field house and we were getting ready to start the season. And he, my stepdad called at the time he called Mike and Mike said, I have, it was an SSK, <laughs> an SSK with dimples in it. And I used that thing. I was a center fielder. I used it for two years. 
And so, and Mike goes, I remember Brax calling me and I think I remember that. Now, then again, I already told you I umpired Mike Yeah. for when he was uh, in, in there in Duncanville had a good BBI back then. And it, it had this one little Harrington field down there, wherever. And I did it for three or four years. And I always loved this because Mike's dad was his coach. He was seven or eight. Mike was always good on the mound. He, you could tell he was learning how to pitch good through strikes. And that was great at that age for someone mm -hmm. to throw strikes. But I, as any umpire, you've umpired, yep. as any umpire does, you blow calls at that age, especially. I was 19, 20 years old at the time. And uh, Mike's dad came out, and I forget what it was. It was probably, a, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I just remember Mike came out, Mike Sr., and he came out, and he goes, what did you see? And he's holding a piece of paper or a clipboard, and I said, this is what I saw. And he goes, hmm, okay. And he turned <laughs> around, and he walked back. He knew I'd blown it. Yeah. He didn't show me up. Every <laughs> fan was yelling at me. And I just remember... That's why I guess that guy was a big league, you know, <laughs> but then my third thing for Mike, before we get into it, his father-in-law and I know each other. Well, okay. Stan Myers. And, um, I have a farm, a family farm that has two donkeys on it that we've had for 11 years. Those are old donkeys. Yep. And they got them from Stan. Stan gave them to me oh. about 11 years ago. Right. I had to go down Now He's been here many times. He can tell you about this place in Glen Rose. Stan has this place in Glen Rose. It's like a resort thing. It's got this, these little cabins on it. Now Stan's house is up, up top on top of the hill, but they got this big, uh, if you ever want to rent out for a convention or something, they got this big middle house where the pool tables and fun. Mm. And Stan was showing me about there and got live chickens and they got the river that runs. There. It's really pretty, but he came, he came to me for free. I was, he said, he goes, I got donkeys if you need some. And I said, how much? He goes free. <laughs> and I went free. He was trying to get rid of some. And so I called my stepdad and ran, run our farm up there. And he goes, I need them because they protect cows. Oh, they, they hang around with cows and they protect them. Interesting. But he said, you got to get them in pairs. And Stan gave me his little trailer. I came and hooked it to my minivan and ran them to burn. They, they're still going strong. Okay. Now we're going to get my Duncanville boy. Mike, you grew up in Duncanville, went to Duncanville high school. We all know that. Did you play any other sports in high school? Yes, I played basketball my freshman through junior year. So I only played varsity my junior year, but I was good enough. I, I do brag about myself here. I was good enough that I could have played college basketball, not at UT or not at AM or anything like that, but uh, at like the Waterburger tournament, which is, I think, sure. still a pretty big tournament in Fort Worth area. Right. Uh, we won the tournament. I had a good tournament. We played. I believe a team from Crenshaw in California. We played a team from Memphis. We played a team from Houston. It ended up we played Arlington Martin for the championship after going through all these teams from out of the state. It was two in-state teams we played. And there were a couple colleges that were really interested in me. And Coach Bacon is an old coach from, I believe, Lincoln uh, High School. And, yeah. and he had seen me at camps and stuff in Duncanville. And so he was recommending me to a few of these college coaches and I think coach Bacon had moved on to college recruiting at that point but coach McNeely who's a Texas legend basketball yep. coach yep. he kind of told a few of the colleges kind of like your Abilene Christians your at the time it was Southwest Texas now Texas State stuff yeah. like that they're like hey I you like them and he can play but he's an all-American baseball player so I'm 99% sure he's not going to go to college and play basketball. So I was a good basketball player. I didn't play my senior year. I I regret it. I wanted yeah. to be like, obviously I didn't come close to this at all. I wanted to be the first pick in the draft. Like in my mind, I thought I could do that. 
I had grown up around Ben Grief, who was the second overall pick in the draft. Yeah. Right. I had pitched against Kerry Wood when he was at Grand Prairie, and I was at Duncanville, and and he hit a, a walk-off home run against my buddy Jeff Nichols, who went on to pitch at huh. Rice and is in the Hall of Fame at Rice. Sure. I pitched six innings in that game. Uh, Kerry Wood pitched the whole game. He hit a walk-off, and, I mean, I, I was beating him at the time, I think two to one after six, and he hit a three-run homer and won the game. But um, – I thought, well, if the, if he went, if Ben Greve went second, if Kerry Wood went fourth, I'm as good as those guys. Now, I was as good as those guys. I wasn't major league prospect as good as those guys. Kerry could throw the ball 95. I threw the ball in the mid to high 80s. Right. I could hit, I hit 464, whatever. I was Dallas Morning News player of the year, Dallas Morning News sophomore of the year, all of that stuff. But Ben Greep could crush a baseball 500 feet. I could yep. hit the ball in gaps for double. So, like, I was a great <laughs> high school baseball player. But as a pro prospect, I fell short of speed and I fell short of power. And then also, I was not a fast runner. So, I mean, I was pretty much <laughs> stuck at first base as a prospect. So, going into college... Uh, when I signed with Texas Tech, right. I was luckily, besides Texas A&M, getting close to full scholarship offers because most schools saw me as a first baseman and a pitcher. And the other guy who I was doing all these recruiting trips with was Jason Jennings. Yeah, and he yeah. ended up going to Baylor, and he won the Golden Spikes Award, DHing and pitching uh, at Baylor. But we grew up together from like 10 years old playing against each other and with each other. Yep. I remember all of those. Jeff Nichols, as a matter of fact, Jeff Nichols, another kid, Duncanville kid, his dad was my seventh grade science teacher and, <laughs> and was uh, Mr. Nichols, brought a live rattlesnake to class. And the only thing between us and the, and the rattlesnake that he put out on the ground, he had a cane that he would wield it in with, you know, like that, was, was cinder blocks. He put a little row of cinder blocks and said, stand behind the cinder blocks. And that snake would come at us, and he'd grab it, and he'd pull it back. Holy but crap. Jeff but Jeff was a good pitcher, a good little pitcher. He was, <laughs> These kids were 10 years younger than I was, but I umpired these kids. Yeah. And I remember he was a good sure. little pitcher going up. Now, okay, so you did. I knew he was going to Tech, and, and you ended up – so you said A&M. That's what answered one of my questions. A&M was another school. Anybody else you had interest in? Well, A&M was my worst recruiting trip. That was the only school – who didn't want me to play first base, Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor. I mean, every school re that recruited me. And I wanted to, I wanted to be in the new big 12. I was getting recruited. This was the fall of 95. So the yeah. big 12 is just starting off and I pretty much want to play in the big 12. My parents made me go on a recruiting trip to Tulane because of the school aspect of it. Right. And it was, Slosh was the recruiting coordinator yeah, right. there, who's now at AM, was at TCU forever. And right. he always he always says, I, I would have never brought you in for a recruiting trip and offered you what we offered because they were offering me the world to pretty much like we want to build this program around you. If we get you, we think we can get other kids here and we're building this around you. And then he's like, I didn't know you were in love with your girlfriend and was just gonna follow her to Texas Tech, who <laughs> is now my wife. But um <laughs> But yeah, I got recruited by pretty much everybody. And the great thing was, is I was good enough hitting wise and first base wise to get to do both in college. And that was kind of the only thing about college that I wanted to go was because I could still play a position. And 
that was the drawback of getting drafted as I knew that playing the position would be over. And there were a few teams, I'm not saying I was Mitch Moreland, but there yeah. were a few teams that did not have me in high school on their draft boards as a pitcher because I topped off at like 88, 89. They saw me more as a prospect hitter than they did a prospect pitcher. But Cleveland, who drafted me, saw me only as a pitcher. And it was funny when Jim Stevenson was the scout who's with the Houston Astros now. When he came to our home at 7 p.m. at night and left at 1.30 a.m. in the morning to try to get me to sign, um, we tried, not super hard, but we did try to see if I could play three games a week at first base uh, in rookie ball and a ball just to see where it could go. Like yeah. what if I develop better as a hitter than I do as a pitcher, but Cleveland um, we didn't push too hard in Cleveland. It was a pretty firm. No, from the <laughs> beginning of the process. <laughs> okay. Hey, it worked out. You ended up getting there. So th that's my other question. You were taken in the 18th round by Cleveland uh, uh -huh. that year. Out of Dunkerville, you ended up foregoing Texas Tech. I remember that. And you ended up foregoing, you go to Cleveland. It's not like it was today. How did you find out you've been drafted? I was playing at the time for the Dallas Mustangs, which now you'll yeah. see a thousand kids with that hat on. But back then there was one Mustang team. Oh, yeah. and that Absolutely. Was That's all yeah. there, so was. there was. There were 16 kids in the state of Texas pretty much on that team. We had like three kids from Houston, one of them being John Patterson, who was like the sixth overall pick in my draft from Orange, Texas. But um, I was at home. My parents were at work. We had never discussed, discussed a number with any team. And Jim Stevenson of Cleveland called me up. I believe it was the sixth round. And he calls me up. He says, Mike, we're getting close to making a draft pick. We want you will you sign for $100,000 in school? My parents aren't home. I have no clue. I was disappointed when he said we're in the sixth round because I was kind of told, hey, somewhere between the third and fifth round is where you're going to get drafted. And so it's the sixth round or maybe even seventh round. And Jim Stevenson calls me up and says, we're about to draft you, but here's the deal. And I said, 200 in school and I'll sign. Like just out of nowhere. I hadn't yeah. discussed a number with my parents. I hadn't discussed a number with a team. And he said, can't do it. Phone hung up. That was oh, it. Right. So that was, that was midday or, or like a little bit past lunchtime. So now I'm really disappointed and depressed and I can't believe it. And uh, so I have a game with the Mustangs that night. It's 1996. So very few cell phones, but one of the moms on the team did have a cell phone or somehow my mom reached somebody. So I'm in the dugout getting ready to play for the Mustangs. And I had a couple of buddies, Pat Burns, who was on the team, who was a fifth round pick by the Mets. And John Patterson was the sixth overall pick. And he is pretty much like, I'm not playing for the Mustangs now to like hurt myself or anything. And so guys are getting drafted off of the team. And I'm like, man, I had Cleveland call, but that was it. And so then, I don't know, about in the second inning or so, one of the moms comes over and says, hey, your mom just called. Cleveland took you in the 18th round, which was the last round of that day. Okay. Okay. And so I was like, okay, well, that's interesting because I literally, they hung up the phone on me earlier in the day. <laughs> and so a week later, they came to the house and uh, they stayed till like 1.30 or 2 in the morning. And then the next day, I decided to say yes. I give Tom Greaves some credit. My dad called up 
tag because they were teammates and he kind of knew the process better than we knew the process. And he said, Mike, you're not going to make any money getting drafted in the 18th round. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're negotiating over $10,000 or $25,000. That's not going to make any difference, especially after taxes. You're either going to make money making the major leagues in this game, or you're not going to make any money playing this game. So it's up to you. Do you want to become a professional and start that? Or do you want to go to college? There's really not a, a money situation here. And so I was like, man, it was always my dream to play professional baseball. I didn't have a huge dream playing college baseball with my father playing major league baseball and college baseball besides college world series. It wasn't on television. Yep, um, that's true. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I want to be a pro. I want to be a major leaguer. And so the next day we called up Cleveland. We met in the middle. So you know my number. I said 200. They said 100. We met right in the middle, and I signed my contract right. and went went on. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay. So they sent you straight to straight to Tucson. Straight to so back then spring training they had moved it to Winter Haven by then, Florida. Oh, okay. And okay. Um, luckily, John Hart, who I know a lot of people don't like here, I, I do John like Hart. him. He, do you like him or no? Yes, I do like John. Hart. Oh, good. I just know, I guess a lot of fans and some media right. people don't, but he luckily decided with him and Mark Shapiro, who's with Toronto now, they were like, we don't like sending our guys to the Florida League or Arizona League for rookie ball because of the weather, the heat, it doesn't feel real. So luckily, I went to Burlington, North Carolina in the Appalachian League, okay. uh, and that's where I started. So I did cry. I got to Kirk's Motor Court is where we stayed, and I remember crying, going, what did I get myself into, and pulled out my calling card, called up my girlfriend, called up my parents, <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, and just like, I don't want to be here, and it was like, hey, give it, give it some time and see what happens, and I was miserable that whole year. I did really good, but I was miserable that whole year uh, in rookie ball. Well, he played in the Appalachian League. I saw a lot of games up there. I used to travel up there. So he played in Bluefield. There were the Bluefield Oreos. There were the Pulaski Rangers. And he probably played. Did Princeton have the Devil Rays then? Were they, were they there? Princeton was there. I I forget. I know that Elizabethan, or, because that's where Evan Carter's yeah, from, right. they used to be the Twins. And I swear there was a sulfur plant right next to the hotel and – the stadium where we played. So it smelled like a constant fart the whole time we were there. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, but there was, there was the Danville Braves. There was the Kingsport yeah. Mets. Yep. Um, so pretty yeah. Country, beautiful country. Very yeah. pretty, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's not, it's not the DFW Metroplex for sure. <laughs> All right, two more. I'm going to get him out of here. Cause I went, okay. Another big thing for those of us that never played the game, you got traded to the Mets um, uh, in December of 2001. How do you find out you've been traded? How did that happen? So I was recently married and I was in, we were living in Fort Worth. My wife was going to medical school at TCOM um, off, I believe, Montgomery Street over there, Camp Bowie and Montgomery yeah. Street. So we're yeah. not far from there. And um, Mark Shapiro calls me up, John Hart, after 01, he had, you know, retired slash resigned. I didn't know that he was I mean, pretty much quickly going over to the Texas Rangers, right, but right, right. Uh, so Mark Shapiro takes over as general manager. And 
I remember he calls me up. It's it's at nighttime. And um, he goes, hey, Mike, how you doing? And I go, oh, not very good. My grandmother just passed away yesterday. Oh, and he goes, oh, he goes, man, uh, sorry to hear that, you know, and uh, I'm sorry. Then he goes, hey, so we just traded you to the New York Mets. So <laughs> um, he goes, uh I can't remember if I don't believe Steve Phillips called me up. I believe it was Duquette who called okay. me up like a 30 minutes to an hour later. It was kind of like, let me call up my guy, tell him I've traded him along with Roberto Alomar. So I think the Mets were really excited about getting Roberto Alomar. In the yeah. deal. <laughs> but, um, but I, that's, I remember getting that call and kind of being in the bathroom area of our little house uh, over in Fort Worth and uh, kind of being in shock and not caring too much because I was close to my grandmother who did live over here in the Kessler Park area. Right. But going, wow, what a life change. Um, and I was excited about it, but also nervous being, I think I was 23 years old, um, getting traded to a new team and Obviously, the Mets had gone to the World Series. The Indians at the time, they were deciding to rebuild. They had gone to the playoffs. They had lost to Seattle in five games, and they were going in another direction. And unfortunately, some of the guys that I got traded for, they put up some crappy ERAs in Cleveland. But they got to keep pitching in Cleveland because it was the rebuilding time for Cleveland to see what they could do. I got traded to a team going, we got to make it to the World Series. So no matter how I did, it was like, well, Pedro Estacio is healthy. Or we just made a trade for this guy. You're going back down. So, you know, you always wonder when you're a guy like me who was up and down your whole career, what if I wouldn't have been, what if it would have been Tim Drew? Or what if it would have been Jake Westbrook? What if it would have been one of those guys in the deal to the Mets and not me? Would I have got to just spend two years in the major leagues, almost like, hey, whatever you do, you do. Kind of, I mean, not trying to make fun of the Rangers, it's reality. The last five years, there's been plenty of Texas Rangers that maybe didn't earn their way to the major leagues or deserve to stay in the major leagues. But they're like, we don't care. We're rebuilding. We got to give this guy 100 innings to see if he can pitch here or not. And I never had that opportunity with Cleveland or with the Mets. Gotcha. Okay, now, now now, this is the other good one. So you find out you get traded, but this is the greatest one. On August 5th, 2001, that's when you made your major league debut. You were with the Indians then. How did you find out? I love these stories. How did you find out you're going to the big leagues? And that was my third. First? And that was my third, third day in the majors. So two days before, Eric Wedge was my manager in Cleveland, and I loved him as a manager. I thought he was great. And Carl Willis was my pitching coach. <laughs> and they told me, Keep my phone on. They had told me this one time before uh, during that season. I was having a great year in 2001. I did not go to big league camp, um, but I was having a great year. And they said, hey, keep your phone on. There could be something happening. And it was right around 1230. Um, Eric Wedge calls me up and he says, hey, uh, you're going to the major leagues. Uh, They're calling you up. They need some help in their pen. They're, They're a little bit depleted. Uh, do you need, they need you there tomorrow. Uh, do you want to fly there or do you want to drive there? It's only a three hour drive. So I said, no, Hey, I'll drive there. And, uh, I, 
I wish I honestly could remember who I called up first. I'll say my wife just so that she, <laughs> if she ever herself. watches this podcast, <laughs> she'll know I said my wife first. But obviously, I called my wife and I called my parents. Sure. In which order, I can't remember. Was your wife, but my wife did fly up to Cleveland to see me. My parents said, screw it. We're just going to watch it at Bobby Valentine's in Arlington. But, <laughs> uh, it was that the game I pitched in was Sunday night ESPN. So my first That's ever cool. game was a nationally televised game. Cool. That's cool. That's fantastic. What, so did you come out of the pen? I did. Uh, it's a historic game because uh, I came in and it was four to zero with bases loaded and nobody out. I came in for Dave Burba and <laughs> Seattle at the time. And I'm not exaggerating here. They were like 90 and 22 on the year. Yeah, like, they were it great. Was, that, phenomenal that year. Yeah. And so I always tease Mark McLemore about this because they tied the record for most wins in a season. And I come in, it's four to zero, third inning, nobody out, bases loaded. Mike Cameron hits a double off the wall and I can't get anybody out. And at the <laughs> end of the inning, uh, I was backing up home, backing up third. I could see the bullpen. Nobody was warming up. And I thought, man, I got to get myself out of this situation. And I'm going back to Buffalo as soon as this is over. Um, and it's 12-0 after three. I pitched the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth inning because I'd never relieved in my life. I had zero relief appearances in the minor leagues total. Right so up. first wow. ever time to relieve, get brought in with the bases loaded, nobody out, stunk up the joint. But we came back and we won yeah. in extra innings, and it's tied two other games in baseball history for the greatest comeback in Major League Baseball history. Did you get the win? No, 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 I came out after eight. John Rocker pitched the ninth. I can't remember who pitched the tenth. It might have been like Bob Wickman or somebody <laughs> like that. Uh, but we won in ten innings, and it's the greatest comeback in Major League history That's against awesome. the team that tied for the most wins in a season in Major League history. I've got a, I've got a question for you. Speaking of baseball history, do you shy away from the Barry Bonds thing? Giving up the giving his up story the about six? that's great. I've heard him say it at, okay. at a live club meeting. Yeah, because you ask your dad, "What should I do?" Right? Yeah. So I was at the hotel in San Francisco and just going around kind of that square area. I think it's downtown Union, San Francisco. Union square. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so call it my dad and. Just like, man, I'm kind of nervous for this one. Last night, John Lannon was our pitcher in game one, and he did great. But, I mean, the the atmosphere was nuts. I mean, it was it was sold out. Best atmosphere I've ever been in in a major league game at that point. And so he's like, hey, go after him. He said, if you get him out all three times, nobody will remember you. But I'll remember you attacked Barry Bonds, and, and you got him out on a night that he was trying to break the record. And obviously the scouting report was – do not pitch to him if the game is on the line. Like, if he yeah. can win the game, we're not pitching to him. And every time he came up, nobody was on base. And um, in the fifth inning, uh, I got to three and two, uh, and I threw a breaking ball, and he fouled it off. And we, and in the scouting report, it said, try not to repeat the same pitch again. Change location, change speed. And so we went with fastball away, and I threw it right down the middle. <laughs> and that was history. In fact, I was watching – Earlier this week, the Hall of Shame thing on Netflix, where it's about Balco and Victor Conti, yeah. and and at the end, bam, you know they they show me giving up the home run. But in a in a crazy way, 
it ended up I went to ESPN and did um baseball tonight in the at the time it was called Cold Pizza, what I think they call oh, it yeah, get up, whatever the show. show is now. Yeah. And I was there for three days during the playoffs and did well enough that the ticket liked me at the time and they brought me on to do some shows. And so it ended up progressing into my second career. There you go. Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. Yeah, no. I never asked you about it. No, and I, I'm, I heard him tell that story. Yeah, his dad said, "Look, you know," and I think it was great. He's like, "Look, I think you go after him. You, you got to go after him. If he beats you, he beats you. you. You know, you 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 hang your head and you just tip your cap to him and say you beat me. But and this yeah. is the greatest hitter in the world at the time. And yeah. I, Greg Maddox always had the best line I've ever heard. They said, "Who's the easiest guy you ever pitched to?" And he said. Barry Bonds, because if no one was on base, I walked him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was hysterical. You know what's crazy about Barry Bonds? That was his last year ever in the major leagues. And his on-base percentage as he was slowing down, and he was slowing down, but he was his on-base percentage that year was 480. So the last <laughs> year he ever played, he had a 480 on-base percentage. Man, that is nuts. Man. All right, well, we're done. Yeah, we're done. I'm I'm still I'm still caught up on the rattlesnake and the cinder blocks. Yes, Mr. Nichols would get fired if he did that today. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And one of the greatest teachers at least re- so- at least reprimanded tremendously for doing Absolute. that. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> do you keep up with Jeff at all? I talk to sometimes his brother Heath. I need to call up Jeff because. Uh, I want to get him into the Duncanville Hall of Fame. It's weird he's in the Rice Hall of Fame, but not the Duncanville <laughs> Well, and I don't – is his dad still alive? I didn't even know. You know, I I don't know that. I think I heard he might have passed a few years back. Okay. You don't know that, so I, I don't know why I looked at you, I'm going to say he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I could be thinking of someone else, too. There were a few There were a few people whose dads were in – in teaching or other in the administration. And I might be thinking of one of them, but Mike and I stomped the same stomping grounds here okay. now. Okay. Hey, I used the OSSK outfield. We played in the same baseball field. Right. I hit the only home run I've ever hit over a fence at that ball field over the left center field fence, right? Where that right there where Atlanta was where they, they used to load the food for the uh, cafeteria there. You know what I'm talking about right behind yeah. left field. Is there a plaque? There should be. <laughs> There should be a plaque that John Moore hit a ball over that fence one time because I never Mike, hit one in Little League or anywhere else. I never hit one. All right, that'll work. Mike, this has been fantastic, there. man. I, I appreciate Thanks. you coming on. We appreciate it. I know yeah, you got a busy sure. schedule, but uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. Maybe during the playoffs, we can try to get together and do yeah, something absolutely. if you're doing it. Pray yeah. for the playoffs. Yes. I'm, I'm really, I'm happy they're in this situation. It's been forever since 2016 to have a September that's mattered. But, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I wish I had a, a better idea about this team. I just don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. has a feel. Yep. I know. But it's going to be a fun <laughs> It's going to be a fun 10 days. It should be. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Hey, that's Mike Massick from, uh, let's say he's from pre- and post-game, Dallas Sports everywhere. You see him on 1.53. Mike, thank you so much, bud. All right. See you guys. All right. All right. We're going down on the bus leagues after this. All right, a big thanks to Mike Bassick for joining us. Uh, now we're going to go down in the bus leagues. There's not a lot to talk about. There's not. Uh, down East finished up this week. Yeah, they uh, they lost in the championship uh, round of the um, Carolina League playoffs. They lost to Charleston, the River Dogs, who are now they've won three straight titles. They're a Tampa Bay affiliate, um, uh, former TCU first baseman, Braden Taylor, who was the race first round pick this year. He played on that team and. Um, it came down to uh, some defense. The 
Charleston scored seven runs in the first inning against, uh, and five of them were charged to Brock Porter, but none of them were earned. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah. So there, there are some problems there. Um, they came back from seven nothing, then all the way back to seven five. But anyway, um, they didn't have the greatest second half. They they, they struggled to hit all year, but um, lost some players. Yeah, of course. And uh, but it's a good thing to. Rangers want these guys to experience the postseason, and, sure. and three of the four affiliates did. So, uh, okay. good job down east. Yeah, and everyone else is done except Round Rock, and there yeah. is somebody playing for Round Rock <laughs> who seems to be drawing a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, Langford's been up there a week. White Langford has been up there a week. Yeah, two. he's played two games. He had four hits in his first game. Um, you know, he's he's smoking hot at the plate. He hit over 400 in double-A to get the promotion. I think he was the um, – you know, he was number one on the Baseball America hot sheet. He, he was the Texas League Player of the Week for the last week of the season. Uh, then, you know, there's some people who want him to come up. And Bruce Bochy, Emily Jones, and, and I asked him about it yesterday. And um, he's like, well, it's hard not to notice. You know, yeah. And, you know, and it's a little – you know, it's it, – yeah, it's tempting. You know, the hottest guy out there. But sure. you kind of look at the Rangers lineup and they have Evan Carter and – Leody Tavares and, and, and Adolis Garcia; those are <laughs> three pretty good outfielders. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know that he'll get called up. White Langford, I would, I'd be surprised. Um, they're they're not like desperate, desperate for runs right now, and the and the people who play ahead of who would be in his way are, are hitting right now. Yeah, I was going to say, really the only thing that, that I could see a possibility of a way that he would come up would probably be an injury to one of the top three outfielders that you like. Yeah. Um, that there, that would be Tavares, Carter, or, or Garcia that was going to end the season and send them down. Then maybe, yeah, Lankford might be a better option than, say, Duran or, or Jankowski or something. Then maybe, because especially if he continues this week to tear up triple away. Yeah. I mean, look. Number four overall pick, playing like the number one overall pick. Good yeah, lord, you yeah. can't you can't say enough good things about what he's doing. Yeah, it certainly is exciting if you're a Rangers fan and, and somebody who follows prospects. Um, you, you you wonder how fast he can come. It sure, sure seems like he's coming real real fast. Right. I'd imagine he will get an invitation to big re, big league spring training. Oh my gosh, get to taste that. Um, it is not out of the the question that he. Can't make this team out of spring training. I think it's out of the question. I, I you know, okay, if you're but you gonna, also we also didn't know if he would get promoted to AAA. Yeah, well, you know, I it was it was po- a it's a good reason to be wrong too. It's a yeah, great reason I, to be I just, wrong. You know, you, you kind of I guess the the example that that Tr Sullivan always excited, uh, not excited, but recited to me um, about falling for falling in love with spring training performances was Alex Gordon for the Royals who. Had a, like a massive, massive spring. He never played above Double A. Hit like ten homers in spring training. Made the team and was just awful during the that season. first year. They, that, had to, they had to send him down. Yeah, he went down a couple times, I and, think. And you know that's kind of the the one that I always come to think of when it's like falling in love with somebody at spring training. Okay. Uh, and and again, the Rangers do not need him next year to start the year. That's true. And why? Why? If you've got somebody, they're, they're obviously going to sign some sort of bat during the offseason. We know they're going to, whether it's, you know, one of them 
that we talked about earlier with, you know, in the big league section, we were talking about someone like Garver or something like that. So why you could probably send him down. He's going to start triple A. That's where he's going to start. You'd think. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I, no, no reason to send him back to double A, especially if he finishes off the way he's finishing. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, and it depends on how the rosters, who, who, how many outfielders they have at triple A that they think need to be a triple A. I mean, you're going to have JP Martinez, uh, Dustin Harris for sure. You know, do you resign Elliot Hernandez? Uh, does okay. he does he go sign somewhere else? So you kind of look at the roster composition. What you know, what if Evan Carter does end up at AAA to start? That's next true. Year? I mean, I don't I don't believe that's going to happen, but I'm sure they'd find playing time for all of them. But um, you still you know you still have to kind of look at the rosters and all of that stuff. And like Sebastian Walcott may very well start at Low A Down East, even though he finished at High A Hickory. Right. So. Um, it's exciting, but let's not go too crazy. Okay, so before we get out of here, it's been a fun one. Uh, we've got uh, instructs have started. Yeah, they've started. They're probably about to be over, honestly. They're halfway through. Uh, it's a smaller group. They weren't going to go very long. They weren't going to play any games. Um, it's just kind of focusing in on an individual or small group instruction rather than the whole thing. Um, the Rangers announced their minor league players of the year this uh, the today, uh, this afternoon. Abby Ortiz is the offensive player. Kind of thought that for sure. Uh, Jose Corniel was the pitcher of the year. Antoine Kelly was the reliever of the year. Right. Daniel Mateo, an outfielder, was the uh, defensive player of the year. And then the True Ranger Award, which goes to the guy who embodies like the best team spirit and stuff like that, went to our buddy Blaine Krim. Good for him. Um, they're supposed to all be on hand Saturday uh, at, at the ballpark and, and to be recognized before the game, though, you know. If, if Round Rock is still playing for something. Krim won't. Yep. Yeah, I don't know that, that Krim would, would want to leave the team or if they'd want him to leave the team, to be perfectly That's, honest with you. I think I saw somewhere that Krim is going to Krim's gonna go back and play Winter Bowl. He's going to go to the Dominican, yeah. Um, I can't remember the team he's going to play for. Es- Escojito. Uh, is that who he's, he's been playing play for? No, he'd been playing in Puerto Rico. Okay. So, a um, little bit longer season in the Dominican, a lot more pressure to produce. You know, if you don't produce, they get rid of your butt pretty quick. So, um, I would imagine. I would imagine that that there will be a couple guys who play winter ball. The Arizona Fall League rosters are supposed to be out any day now. I thought they were going to be out last week, but they haven't been released yet. Kind of wondering if Jack Leiter is going to end up there. Yeah. Uh, kind of wondering if um, like Zach Kent would would go there just because they missed time. Um, it's somebody that needs to get a few extra innings. Guys for that sure. need to get innings or at bats. Somebody maybe that. Sure. Yeah. People who miss time, uh, and then also you know. Some some guys who go or get showcased, you know, like they Rangers send them out, put them in front of scouts, with the idea of hopefully being able to trade them and create some room in the system and, and or, or get something back that they like. So uh, there's a lot at play with the fall league, but it's. Uh, um, so you might see some of those like an Acosta or someone that maybe you know you know Rule Five eligible guys, yeah, you know, stuff like that. So um, a lot a lot still happening here at. Uh, next couple months in the minor leagues hey and we're still going season's not over it's funny we're coming down to this last week the way we talked in the big league coming down this last week of baseball a week and a half and uh still meaningful games being played so that um we're going to carry on guys yeah right past it all stop yeah if they don't make the playoffs rangers today baseball podcast and rangers today does not start uh stop does not stop we keep going i told john Blake uh, that the other day, and he said, y'all going to go? And we said, we'll go year-round. Year-round? Yeah. I said, that's what we do. Yep. He goes, that's awesome. He said that, so that was good. Guys, yeah. 
Anything else? No, just remember to subscribe to rangerstoday.com, $5.99 a month, $35 for six months, $60 for a year. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is very good and, and should have some good things coming coming down the pipeline. So yep. um, do that for sure. And, um, yeah. All right. We're good stuff. All right. That's it, guys. Until next time, go Rangers as they make this push for the playoffs. This was down in the bus leagues. We will see you at the yard.